we've been um, <clears throat> we've been looking at some biblical principles uh, over the last two weeks uh, that we can apply in our lives to experience God's favor, His His blessing in and through our relationships. And I hope that it's been meaningful uh, for you in getting some encouragement, some motivation, some conviction, even to 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 live out some of these um, some of these some of these principles. And I suppose the the the, the thing that I want to say just at the outset of this message this morning, before I introduce our guest to you, um, Matthew chapter twenty eight. Most of us will probably be able to recite the verse. It's called the Great Commission, uh, and it's the last commandment that Jesus gave to his disciples, right, before he went on his way. This is what it says. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Everyone say the word disciples. Disciples of all nations. Uh, these are the disciples that he's talking to, right? So he's saying, go and make more disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Jesus gave them some commands. He said, here's some do's and don'ts. He told them to follow these things. And behold, I'm, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's a really powerful command. And if you think about it, you and I are the beneficiaries of that today. And the person that introduced us to Christ, that introduced them to Christ, you can kind of trace it all the way back to the disciples, right? To this command. And um, just notice that word, though, that I asked you guys to repeat, uh, um, the word disciples. You know, Jesus said, uh, go, he said, he didn't say go into all the world and make converts. He didn't say go into all the world and make church attendees. He said, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples of him. Now, what does that mean? Well, pretty much discipleship means becoming more like Christ. In its very simplest form, it, becomes, it, 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 it means becoming more like Christ by following him in obedience. So if we're honest about that process, though, sometimes discipleship is uncomfortable, isn't it? It's not always easy. I mean, how many of us here have prayed a prayer that's went something along the lines of, Lord, make me more like you. And then shortly afterwards, we went through a pretty tough season, right? And we, I, I kind of guess we all know why. If you ask God for, for patience, he doesn't you know, magically give you patience. He gives you a situation in which to be patient, right? So when, we, when we're praying these prayers, when we're having these conversations about growing into the image of Christ, let's just acknowledge for a moment that it is sometimes difficult. It is not always easy. And um, that call, by the way, for us to become disciples is still, is still you know, given to us today. And why, why am I saying all this? Well, I guess I wanted to thank you, Father's House, for being willing to, to have some of these tough conversations with us and lean into some of the applications of this. Um, because how many of us know that it's not about how much we know, but how much we do with what we know that makes us a disciple? Amen. So... I guess I wanted just to thank you for it and, 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 and thank our panelists, you know, some, some of these really uh, incredible people, like-minded people that have really opened up and allowed us to, to gain some insights from them in terms of how to, how to do this, how to fulfill this command. So I'm sure we will, you know, do a, do a series specifically on discipleship um, at uh, some point, but this one has kind of had that sort of angle and it's all been wrapped up in this idea of we want to become more like Christ. We want to grow into the image that he's, that he's created us to be. So uh, we're going to conclude the series today, and we're going to talk about honor. But uh, before I introduce our guest, I want to read just one, one passage of Scripture that's going to kind of set it up for us. And it's from Romans 12, verses 10, and then we're going to get into our conversation. It says this, love one another with brotherly or sisterly affection, okay? Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. And remember that word outdo, it's got to, it's got to do with the, with the point that we're going to pick up a, a, a little bit later. But okay, to my right, we have Sorrel and Deirdre. Say hi. Hi. Hello. 
So um, for those of you who don't know, Sorrel, Sorrel works for VW uh, in Kariche, or formerly Utenek. He casually pops into Europe every now and then just to show them what real fashion looks like. Yeah? Fatherland. And then uh, his wife is Deirdre. She is a teacher at a local school here in Jeffreys Bay. And as you know, she's also one of our worship team members. So welcome, guys. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. So um, we're going to be talking about honor. Right, in terms of uh, one of these relationship principles that God has given us in His Word, that when we apply them, we get His best for our relationships. So let's let's just start right from the very beginning, and I suppose describe in your own words what it means to honor one another in relationships. Can I just quickly say I was hoping to get my own mic because for those of you that know the other, I'm going to have no airtime if I don't have a <laughs> mic in my hand. Okay, I'll just. I'll just do this. I'll just, then, then we know, switch. I'm taking first, uh, the first, yeah, I've got, I get first say because you get the last say. Always. Um, yeah, so no, honor for me, when I, when I thought about honor, it's um, um, in, a, in a marriage situation. So we've been married successfully <laughs> 22 years. <laughs> sorry, um, sorry, was that 30 or 22 or what's it? It's 22. <laughs> okay. And um, yeah, I think the scripture that, that comes, there's a scripture that came to mind when I thought about honor. And that was a scripture that said, um, that says, wives be, um, submit yourselves to your husband as, as to the Lord. And um, yeah, so in my, in my book, um, I think if I, if I think about honoring, honoring my husband, it has a lot to do with that scripture and um, actually being faithful to the biblical um, job that's been given me, okay, as a wife, to be to submit to my husband. And that actually, it's not a it's not a constraint. It's actually a very freeing thing because it just allows me to. I have a role to fulfill, and he has a role to fulfill. And um, I'm happy that I don't get the last say in difficult decisions. I'm happy that it's him. It frees me up to be the nurturer at, at home. So I think in honoring him, um, it is by obeying the biblical, um, you know, the, the, what Jesus expects of us as wives to do and to be faithful to that, um, to submit to him. And he makes it really easy because he loves me. I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you, you guys went like, straight nosedive into the deepest scripture there when it comes to to honoring one another. I mean, that's a, that's a very, very big topic, I think, which we can spend quite a while sort of un, unpacking. But, but Sorrel, just, I mean, talk to us about that a little bit because... Yeah, I think I want to latch on to what the other said, and you mentioned it earlier, that sometime in September there's a pre-marriage weekend. Uh, so that's what we did 24 years ago, and this was exactly what was told to us there. So... Husbands, love your wife. And I thought, well, that's easy because I am in love. That's actually why I'm marrying her. Uh, and she being told that she needs to be submissive. And there's a whole lot of ladies that on the day said, oh, will never happen. It, it's a sort of a guideline. And, and at that stage in your life, you'd never really understood exactly what it meant. Um, but then over the years, it starts developing. And then you get this snowball effect of the wife being more... <laughs> I don't like the word submissive because there's sort of a bad connotation to it, but it doesn't sound like it. But there is a thing of Deirdre being submissive. Um, and in turn, absolutely naturally comes me um, loving her more and more and more. And, and there's the snowball effect that just so 
So it doesn't become a competition to say, you need to love me before I make you a cup of coffee. It just becomes natural. And, and all of a sudden, we start honoring one another for the other one's role in the relationship. Oh, that's, yeah. yeah, that's that's awesome. So you could kind of summarize that in a way and say that to honor one another, specifically in your relationship, which is marriage, means to fulfill your God-given roles well. Yeah? And, I mean, Sorrel will probably know this this um, this well, but that Ephesians 5 passage of scripture that you that you referenced it actually has more responsibility given to the husbands if you think about it because it kind of says to the wives you know wives submit your husbands as unto the lord husbands love your wives as christ loved the church and gave himself for her i mean that's talking about death <laughs> so so you know as us men you know we like to say that verse at, at men's conferences especially you know when like our wives aren't there yeah submit and then we suddenly go okay the rest of the verse is you must die for the wife Okay, well, let's maybe not be so, uh, so, so hurried on that one. But that's a, that's a beautiful picture of what it means to honor. It means to fulfill. Because like you, like you were saying now, when, when you fulfill your God-given role well, the natural consequence is that your partner wants to do the same. And that's where you kind of get that, that kind of mutual. So if, if, that, if that is what we should do, right, fulfill our roles well and, and, and honoring one another, what are some of the rewards that you guys have experienced for that? And we sort of just touched on it now, but... Anything kind of personal for you that, that you know, like what has it meant to your relationship when you've when you've taken that taken that step? I think our love for one another is just becoming more and more and more deeper as as time goes by, as years go by. Um, there's a, there's a sense of respect, um, and everything just becomes a whole lot easier. I think there's a there's a feeling between the two of us that we allow each other their space. We're quite easy about that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think one of the rewards is that you, um, when you fulfill your godly role, there's there's peace. Okay, so we know that peace comes with Jesus, and um, yeah, I think the the big reward for me is that we have a peaceful home. Um, we have a very like relaxed peaceful home, a happy home. I think our kids grow up in a in a in a very happy, safe, peaceful space. There's no like competition between the two of us of like <laughs> uh, do you want to say amen there's the son just give your dad some encouragement? So, is, that, is, that, is that true? <laughs> yeah, so there's no there's no head butting about whose job is what and who's responsible for what and so it creates peace. I think that's the biggest reward. Um by honoring one another, that there's a whole lot of peace that comes with it. Yeah. So deeper love, deeper connection, more peace. Sounds like some pretty good reasons why we should employ this principle of honoring one another in marriage, right? Um, but so we've, we've, been, we've been talking about honor. Um, what about dishonor? What about that emotion? Because that's also a real one, right? And we don't always get this right as people. And that's part of the series is we're going to get real about stuff and say, look, we don't always get it right. We don't always have the perfect home, the perfect relationship. Um, you know, I'm not asking you to throw one another under under the bus, but any specific situations where you where you felt like you're that was dishonoring to me, and what was your kind of immediate res immediate response to that situation and to that person? Like, how did how did that make you feel? I think, okay, we're gonna have two different opinions here. So, I'm, how much yes to say? Dishonored in a relationship. Yeah. yeah. I think 
I think I feel dishonored quite often, not by him necessarily, but in general. I think it's a, I think a lot of people feel dishonored almost on a daily basis because we have this thing in our minds that we need to be rewarded or um, honored for things that we do on a daily basis. So I think some of us, especially me, because I have a very passionate personality, so I often feel dishonored. I don't think I am being dis dishonored, but I feel dishonored. Like I'm not, I don't get what I deserve or people don't see me for what I'm worth or, you know, it's, I think we feel that on a, on a daily, or I feel that very often. Um, and then I react passionately to that. And then I often have to go back and ask forgiveness. So I think being dishonored, um, it happens often because I think, but that's, I think it's a human thing. It's, we feel we are being dishonored because we expect more. I think we think we are better than or, or worth more than what we get. So then we just feel dishonored. Um, yeah, so I think together with being dishonored is the, is the, the thing of forgiveness. I think, um, yeah, being able to forgive and ask for forgiveness when you are being dishonored or think you are. Ooh. <laughs> so I think the the other good thing about us is is part of honoring one another is also is the general loving, respecting and and and, but also understanding the other individual in the relationship. No, and and I think we are probably pluses and minuses when it comes to certain things in terms of our personality, but but that's complementing one another. So um, when Deirdre comes home in the evening and somebody was being dishonest to her. Being the passionate person, she's she's on an absolute high, and me not necessarily sharing the same emotion. I'm yeah, but but I then get to calm her down to say yeah, but maybe you misunderstood, and maybe it wasn't this, and maybe it wasn't that. So it works for us uh, that we are opposites in, in certain extents. Yeah, I, I was smiling now because I love it when the when the panelists answer some of the questions that are in the message. It's always amazing how that how that works. You've literally touched on some of the stuff that we, I'm going to be sharing about just now. But I think that's that's a very, very powerful um, principle that, you know, and you were speaking about, uh, you know, people feeling dishonored often, you know, that's why, you know, in business, you would say that we honored the contract, we honored the agreement, you know, that really can happen anywhere, I suppose, even in, in workspace in family with colleagues, employers, um, you know, so I think it's a really a, a powerful thing. And also, then maybe I suppose the difference between feeling dishonored and maybe feeling offended maybe digging a bit deeper and going, is there some attention thing that I need? Is it, a, is, it a, is it something like an identity thing maybe even? But a very, very um, um, powerful answers there, guys. Thank you. And then I suppose one or two last things, but um, is honor connected to another relationship principle, would you say? Yes. Tell us um, what it is, Dee. I think, I think honor goes head to head with respect. Um, respecting um, your husband, respecting his boundaries as well, respecting his time and the fact that he also needs to do things that he enjoys that makes him happy where I'm not necessarily involved like stuff <laughs> and um, yeah, so, um, yeah so I think respect definitely um, and loyalty um, forgiveness, 
um, I think there are so many, so many things that that goes head to, yeah, head to head with with honor. And but I think if you honor one another, all the other things sort of just fall into place. It just becomes easy, loving, yeah. Yeah. Um, the one part of it is also realizing the other person's gifts and encouraging him or her to explore those gifts and to. Um, that, that's what we feel is quite important. Uh, part of just giving space is allowing the person to explore his gifts and to develop, to develop his gifts. Right? That really builds the individual as well. He appreciates the time, the support, the encouragement. Yeah. And then I suppose one last kind of bonus question, if I may. But what, what actually gives you the strength to honor one another? Like, where does that strength come from? Yeah. I think if, if all of this is one happy cake, then the icing on top is really being a Christian family, having strong values, and we obviously all realize that God is our Savior. That's the, the icing on the cake or the cherry on top. Yeah. Wonderful. Anything you want to add there, Katini? Yeah, yes, yeah, I can icon on top there. I can. Bena Olvia. Um, no, it's not I a think <laughs> it's not a competition. No, you're right. No, that's awesome. Sorry. no I am. Um, no, I. Yeah, I think I think that's what makes it easy, and I think also that for me the whole thing is easy because I know how much he loves us, me and the boys, and um, seeing how much he does for us, and um, you know the long hours that he works and he, the drive to Utenag and back every day and. So, um, yeah, I just think all of that makes it really easy for me. I think I have it easy. So do I. I love that. Can we give them a round of applause, everybody? Dee and Sorrel, thank you so much, guys. I really, that was awesome. Um, do you mind bringing that lectern for me? Thanks, bro. Just careful, it's got a loose part at the bottom. Yes, wonderful. Thank you. Thanks so much, bro. That's right. <laughs> Musical lecterns, thanks, bro. Thanks, Paul. But what a what a great conversation. Um, and I always love it how they've kind of touched on things that we're going to be talking about again in in the message. Um, but so much of that stood out, and I feel like we could spend, oh my word, a lot more than seven minutes that I have left with you, kind of un, unpacking it. But I I wanted to get into some scriptures on this with you and just say one or two things from the outset to kind of tie into what Dean and Sorrel shared. But you know, I think in summary, on a Honor is not something that we wear on a jacket like a badge, right? It's not like I walk around going, you know, I'm the Honorable Dylan, you know, of the fourth rank. Here's my, here's my badge to kind of prove it. You know, it's not, a, it's not something that we wear on. It's a lifestyle that we adopt. And it's based really on the honor that we have received from Christ. You know, Scripture says that he has seated us in the heavenly places. Talk about honor, Right. And so I think it's a, it's a lifestyle lived in recognition of the one that has called us his own. And from that place, we actually branch out and live with this, with this principle. And, you know, um, Dean Sorrell mentioned, but honor is, you know, it's not this competition that we have between friends to kind of see who can have the most recognition. It is a, it is a kind of a competition, but it's not one that is one in the way that we would think. Um, that, that Romans 12 verse that, that, we, that we read earlier says, outdo one another in showing honor, you know, the Christian competition is not one in the way that most people would think. It's not one by lifting yourself up. It's one by lifting others up. And victory in this space comes when we are genuinely happy to see other people standing on the winner's podium. 
And that's not, 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 not always easy, is it? But just pause for a moment and imagine a relationship world at work, in business, in your family, in government even, where that was the mindset that people had. Now, I want to see you win. I want to see you victorious. I want to see you finish first. Kind of slightly different to the win at all costs mentality that we see out there, right? Bible's always got something different to, d- different to say. And by the way, when it comes to this conversation of, 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 of honor and like we spoke about last week, uh, living with humility, it's, I, I think it's important to mention that, that these are not characteristics of weakness. Not at all. Don't, don't mistake the idea of, of living with honor for your fellow man or living with humility to other people as a weakness. You know, we, we said last week that Christ was extremely focused on the goal that he had in mind, on his calling. And if you want to look at, um, at just at his life, imagine going to the cross like he did, knowing that some people wouldn't accept him anyway, yet he, yet he went. Talk about strength. That's anything but weakness is to be that vulnerable to go to the cross, to lay your life down for someone, knowing that some people wouldn't accept you, yet you do, you do it anyway. That's actually the greatest sign of strength. Having vulnerability in relationships like this is actually a massive sign of strength. It's not weakness. And in the same way, I guess, you know, people should be able to tell that us as followers of Christ value God because of how we live towards him and how we live towards others with this, with this principle. So 1 Corinthians 6 is one of the verses that I wanted to, um, to, to, to take us through this, this morning. Um, but just before I do, if, we, if you want to look at the actual definition of the word honor, uh, in the New Testament Greek, it's the word timayo. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Pastor George, don't shout at me if I didn't. Um, which is the connotation of price or value, actual like monetary value um, attached to it. And the word for honor in the Hebrew, the Old Testament, uh, is the word kaved, which means weight, like heaviness, uh, which actually implies someone's glory. Like you walk into a room and, 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 and someone comes in and you kind of feel like there's this weight to who they are. Those are, those are the kind of uh, definitions. So let's have a look at, at this First Corinthians verse with that in mind. It says, or do you not know, this is the Apostle Paul writing to, to, the, to the church, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God or honor God in your body. Can you see how he's making the connection there between this concept of price and honor? He's saying that we as Christ's followers, as his children, are valuable to him. Hey, man, this, this price that, that was paid for our salvation was very, very expensive. It was very, very expensive. It cost God his son. It's not something cheap. We are not cheap to him. We are extremely valuable. And this is what he's, he's, he's saying is remember the price that was paid for you. Remember the, the honor that, that was given to you through Christ, laying down his life for you. So glorify God with your body. Honor him with, with this thing that he has given you. Um, this is a verse um, that I think all the parents out there would enjoy. Uh, Sorrel and Deeg and uh, nudge your, your son there with this one. Exodus 20 verse 12 it says, Honor your father and your mother so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. We like to quote that one. In fact, I'm going to probably get it printed on a T-shirt for my son, Benjamin. Give it to him on his first birthday. Honor your father and mother, hey? But um, I just want to read you the New Testament equivalent to see how this principle plays out in family. Let's have a look at Ephesians 6. Guy references the same, the same scripture. Children, 
uh, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Interesting, by the way, out of the all, uh, all of the uh, 10 commandments uh, that the Lord gave us, this is the only one that has a promise attached to it. Something powerful there. Uh, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And then he addresses the fathers. And he says, fathers, just by the way, you know, while you're asking your children to honor you, don't provoke your children to anger, <laughs> but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Training, this teaching that happens. Excuse me, I've had this frog in my throat the whole morning. And it seems to be coming back. <clears throat> there we go. But um, can you see how this honor plays itself out in the context of a, of a family relationship? So imagine that, imagine that word there, honor being weighty or heavy. Glory. When you bring the glory of your family to the surface before your own, that's when you invite God's best into your relationship. That's when you experience God's favor. When you have a husband, and a wife, children, each bringing the glory of the other to the surface. Imagine a workspace, a work environment, where we viewed our employees as having the deposit of Christ's love in them. Saying, hey, I want to call that glory out of you. Sorrel mentioned it earlier. I want to bring the gift that I see Christ has placed in you to the fore. And I want to see you win. I want to see you victorious. That is how we experience God's favor, God's blessing. You know, how many of us know that one of the ways that we honor people is by what we say? Isn't that true? We honor people by how we are towards them. And especially how we are towards them when they are not around. How many of us have ever heard the phrase, honor is sometimes best observed by who we are and how we are in the absence of the person that we are claiming to honor? You know, Sorrel can be up here and he can say wonderful things about his wife and that's true. And we would say, amen, but who is Sorrel when Deirdre is not there? How does he speak about her when she's not around? When there's no response that he can get from her? You know, and when we, when we view it this way, it suddenly puts a different spin on it, doesn't it? It suddenly changes the way that we view our every interaction with every person, representing the values that we hold dear to our hearts. And I suppose in, in, in speaking about honor, we, you know, we also need to say that sometimes this thing can be dangerous. I think uh, Deirdre mentioned it. What, what do I mean that, that honor can sometimes be, be dangerous? You know, that happens when we think more highly of ourselves when we receive honor from someone else. And we think less of ourselves when we don't. You know, it's kind of this, this idea of I'm going to base my happiness based on what I can and can't get from other people. It's not about that at all. See, because when we do that, we forget the primary person in this relationship, which is Jesus. And he's already called us. He's already chosen us. You know, when we live this way, that's called living according to merit, right? It's, it's called living according to merit, which really is the opposite of this whole gospel of grace that we've been talking about. The entire basis of scriptures that we could never do and give God enough to earn his salvation. There's nothing that we could do to actually purchase it. Jesus did the saving. He loved us irrespective of what we could or couldn't do. So the correct response when we receive honor is to actually give it back to God. We need to give it back to God. He's the one to whom all honor is actually due. Amen. So um, I've realized that I'm a little bit over time this morning, but I wanted just to give us two ways, two very, very simple ways that we can live with honor towards God. Are you with me this morning, church? Is that okay? Two more passages of scripture. Sorry, two more points, maybe three more passages of, of scripture. And it's very, very practical. But I wanted to give us some, some, some tools that we can apply tomorrow morning when we wake up, right? In terms of how to live, live this way. The first one, this is how we honor God, right? And invite his best 
into our relationships. It's when we give the Lord a sacrifice of praise. Two kind of heavy words will be in these two points. And I know it's you know, quite, a, quite a heavy one, this word sacrifice, but it actually has got to do with giving God back that which is already his. Let's look at First Chronicles 29 verse 12. It says, riches and honor come from you. There it is. The very, the very honor that we have in, our, in and of ourselves comes from God. And you are the ruler of everything. Power and might are in your hand. And it is in your hand to make great and to give strength to all. We really see that right there that when we offer the Lord praise, a sacrifice of praise, we're simply giving back to him that which is already his. And if you think about who, um, who in Scripture wrote and said a lot about praise, who was it? David, right? Wrote most of the Psalms. This is what he says in Psalm 50 verse 23, talking about this, this, this idea. He says, whoever offers a thanksgiving sacrifice honors me. Honors me. And whoever orders his conduct, I will show him the salvation of God. Just keep it up there for a second, guys. Just read that again. Whoever offers a thanksgiving sacrifice honors me. And whoever orders his conduct, I will show him the salvation of God. Man, that is such a powerful promise for me. You see, when we, when we are willing to sacrifice, when we are willing to offer the Lord thanksgiving, you invite the salvation of God into your life. That's amazing. I love that. Whoever orders his conduct. You know, he spoke about roles and responsibilities. Instead of throwing our hands up and going, no, that's your responsibility. No, no, what is my God-given responsibility? What can I add into this relationship? What can I do to honor the other person? And when I do that, we receive the salvation of God. That's a wonderful promise. And thinking about this idea of a thanksgiving, sorry, a, a, a sacrifice of, of thanksgiving, what does that mean? Well, you know, sometimes there's a, there's a thanksgiving that just happens, you know, by itself. And then sometimes there's a sacrifice of thanksgiving that costs you something. You know, one of them, one of them you kind of feel like you have to do, the other you do because you know God wants it from you. And have you ever wondered why, you know, people in church raise their hands in worship? What is that about? Well, firstly, it's about surrender. We know that when we lift our hands, it's a sign of surrender. But it also is offering God something that according to that verse, we know that he wants. It's Lord, I surrender and I give you the sacrifice of praise that you deserve. It's not always easy, isn't it? Sometimes worshiping God is difficult. Sometimes it takes effort. Sometimes it's joyful. But according to this verse, when we live this way, when we honor God by giving him the sacrifice that he deserves, we invite his favor into our lives. And one more, one more verse quickly, Psalm 141 verse 2, just talking about this exact verse, David again saying the same thing. He says, Lord, let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. God's not asking us to sacrifice animals and things to him. That was already done in Jesus. He was the perfect sacrifice. But he does call us to make a sacrifice of thanksgiving, of praise to him as a way of honoring him and inviting his favor into our relationships. Amen. And then finally, one more point just to wrap up with quickly this morning on this series. But we, we honor the Lord when we live in simple obedience to him. Obedience. And this word obedience is a bit of a swear word as well, isn't it, these days? I'm my own person, you know. I make up my own decisions, you know. Um, I often hear people say these things. I make the rules. I do what I want to do. Well, that really isn't going to invite God's favor into your life, right? When we are the captain of our own ship. You know, sometimes God might ask you something or, 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 or to do something that you don't necessarily feel like doing. 
maybe you sitting here this morning and you feel like God calling you to, I don't know what it is, to ask someone for forgiveness. We spoke about that just now. Or to, um, to try something new, you know, to try to step out in faith and trust Him for something. You feel like this thing is, is constantly on your mind or everyone that you speak to kind of speaks about the same thing. And you're going, yeah, oh, I don't really feel like doing that. And oh, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm not hearing God correctly. Well, just remember that one of the ways of experiencing God's favor in your life is when you live in humble, simple obedience to what he has to say. And there's some good news, by the way. There's some good news. Look at Matthew 11, 28 to 30, in terms of following God and obeying what he's asked us to do. God says, Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, guess what? We are being led by someone. <laughs> your kids are being led by someone. The people that you do business with are being led by someone. The choice is, are we going to encourage them to be led by Christ or by YouTube? <laughs> Society, peers. Because this is the thing, you know, we've all been created as human beings with this desire to follow, right? And God is placing this invitation before us this morning and he's saying, come to me. Let's go to Jesus. Let's follow him. Let's say yes to him and not yes to the other things of the world. Because when we find, when we say yes to Jesus, we find rest for our souls. And isn't that what we're actually wanting? You know, you guys spoke about having peace in the home. I'm so thankful that God has given us these very, very simple tools in his word that we can apply and experience that peace. We just say yes to him. You know, living a life of fulfillment is simply saying, yes, Lord, I'm following after you. And then Proverbs 10 verse 29, one more verse that I actually will close on this morning. Here's one more little um, icing on the cake. Sorry, some uh, little cherry just to kind of sweeten the deal. It says, the way of the Lord is a stronghold for the honorable but distraction awaits evil to us. <laughs> Choice is ours. Which one are we going to follow? The way of the Lord is a stronghold. You know what the word stronghold is? Sometimes it's using the negative connotation, you know, the stronghold of the mind, the thing that has control and power over you, but stronghold, yes, yeah, talking about a safe place, almost like a defense against enemy attack. The way of the Lord is a stronghold for the honorable. The way of the Lord is a stronghold for the honorable. When we follow him, we have a safe space. We have a place to call home. And we have everything we need for life and godliness when we simply say yes to who Jesus is in our lives. Amen. Church, can we stand for a moment this morning as we close in prayer? Um, I realize that I've gone a little bit over time. I'm sorry about that this morning. But I think the conversation was really meaningful. And um, I guess, oh, thanks so much, uh, Sharon. Uh, I wanted to just take a very brief moment at the end of our series um, and just I guess, um, ask God for, for His guidance, for His help. Um, so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna just pray together for, for a moment. And thanks, you. And it always makes it so much easier when I've got someone who is behind me. Um, I suppose with every eye closed and, and, and every head bowed, you know, we, we just want to honor this moment. And speaking of the word honor, um, and really just thank God for, for His word that he's, you know, he's, he's given us some really simple, really powerful tools that we can use. Uh, but also that he's wanting to make us disciples. He's wanting to make us more like him. And that involves a sacrifice of praise. It involves obedience to him like you read this morning. Uh, and it's always done in his love. <laughs> That's the thing. God is never forceful. You know, he's inviting us to say yes to him. And um, I want to just take a moment and pray for us in this space. And 
if you are here this morning and you feel like, you know what, Lord, there are some things that I know I need to iron out in my life, some, some creases that, 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 that should be ironed out, some things that aren't of you that you're asking me to get rid of so that I can experience your best. Stumbling blocks, I guess. You could call them that. Maybe it's pride, like we've been speaking about. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Um, maybe it's doing things your own way. And I'm not going to ask anyone to come forward or anything like that. It literally is just between you and God. But I want to give you a moment, just right where you are now, just to say, Holy Spirit, I surrender again to you. You know if there's any stumbling blocks within me. And this morning, I ask that you would remove them. Remove any blockages to experiencing your favor in my life. Thank you that when I say yes to you, your yoke is easy and your burden is light. I can have confidence in you, Jesus. So lead me, guide me, instruct me, give me courage, give me confidence again, for I place my trust in you. And Lord, I thank you for every heart this morning that is echoing these words, that is seeking you for guidance. I thank you that there will be fruitful breakthrough in every season, Lord, in every heart represented here this morning, Father. I thank you that you have called us to live in freedom. And when we apply these principles, we will experience that. Because your word says, Jesus, that you came to give us life and life in abundance. And we thank you for that this morning. And everybody said, Amen. Church, can we give God a shout of praise this morning in worship and thanksgiving?